Well, howdy, y'all. Start this 2021 off right by taking care of your skin. Our partners at Cosmetic are bringing you the highest quality CBD skin and body care products that are out there. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is my jam. You guys will love it too. Stuff is amazing for achy muscles and arthritic joints. It's borderline magic, this stuff. Check out all their products at Cosmedicated.com. That's C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and get 2021 started off right. SOS20 is the promo code you can use at checkout. That's SOS20. Get 20% off of your entire order. That's a heck of a deal. All right, let's do it, guys. Podcast time. This is South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. Thank you for being here for the micro show. What? It's our birthday. This podcast turns one this week. How about that? Well, let's start it off like you guys have never been here before. This is my uh, podcast where I talk to some of my favorite artists and entertainers, general uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells. My guest this week happens to be all three of those. John Worley, Cornbread, is here. So uh, after a a pretty backwardly epic 2020 that topped itself off with a uh, white Christmas here in Knoxville, I thought we could start 2021 off uh, with one of our favorite backwardly epic friends. So uh, Cornbread and I had this chat late in 2020, and I thought we would save it to start off 2021 with to make sure that this was the perfect year. Uh, We got into some topics like uh, his sobriety from drinking and uh, what it takes, how he's dealing with it, and uh, also got into some more of those uh, old Appalachian black magic topics that we got in last time he was here that are so fun. Cornbread was uh, one of those guests last year that had a lot of people reaching out to me on the show like, uh, are you kidding me? That dude exists? He's amazing. I want more. So here we go in 2021. Here you go. Here's some more right here on the flora. Help me make welcome, John Worley, Cornbread. We're doing the podcast. Better record it. You know, you might want to. Better record this thing. Just for posterity. Man. I mean, we can all be Buddhist monks and go make a sand painting and dump it in the river, but if you got a damn pooter out there, I mean, we might as well record it. Might as well put it down. Just for shits and giggles. I mean, Lord willing, we have grandkids that make it through the fucking apocalypse. They'll want to know a little bit about us. They'll be like, how'd they do that? <laughs> we'll be like, this is how we did, people. How's that kombucha? Mm. Ah, memories. Sweet. It's good. It's like beer if you don't like beer. Yeah, but without the alcohol. That's it. That's it. There's a little, but I mean, it's kind of like drinking near beer. It's Which I traces. just started drinking recently. Really? Just you quit drinking time. a while back, though, right? Yeah, about a year, a year and seven, eight months. I don't know, something like that. Been sober a minute? Uh, you know, I've clear. I've been seeking clarity. Hadn't been some. drinking? No, absolutely. Devil had a hook in me. Was it bad? No, it's not that I was a bad alcoholic. I was just a fucking really shitty bad alcoholic. <laughs> 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 I had a fucking Cherokee liver, man. I mean, a pint of whiskey will put my dick in the dirt. Are Could, you shitting me? Really? And it would be like, it would just, you know, I would drink and be fun, and we're all sitting here having a good time, and then my engine would rear up, and I would have these impulses to, like, I don't know, fuck skin or kill somebody, <laughs> and, like, really? maybe all three, yeah. and would have to really, like, fight impulses. 
I mean, and you know, that's the shitty thing about alcohol. And when I say the devil had a hook in with me, um, you know, the devil's very smart, my brother. Uh, this motherfucker went to an Ivy League college and got a business degree and started corporations and shit and like Anheuser-Busch and like fucking, you know, Mad Dog 2020 and like Southern Comfort and like Four Roses and my favorite Buffalo Trace. Fuck you. What happened? Like, how did it get so bad that you decided you were going to quit? Because you did it for a minute, I'm sure. We talked about it the last time you were here. Yeah, like you, you've was, been you've been around some shit. Yeah, my, well, my whole life. I mean, and like you know, my grandfather, my grand, my paternal grandfather died with like one eye, one lung, uh, missing a leg, uh, no liver. He was on dialysis, no kidney function, and it was all from just fucking crazy alcoholism. I mean, just screaming crazy mad. I'm running. Numbers for a whorehouse gambling den in Newport called the Thunderbird, kind of crazy shit. And it just runs insidiously through the family, you know, on both sides. And the Cherokee genetic component means I literally, like, I can, you know, I can eat some fucking cheese and we're cool, but I can't drink a lot of alcohol. And, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, my ancestors on that side would say when you imbibe hard, your uh, your spirit leaves your body for uh, seven days, and I know that to be true. And furthermore, I want to know what the fuck is in my body for those seven days if my spirit ain't. I feel you. So the alcohol feels a little little poisonous. Oh, well, it's people's medicine wheel, and that's why I don't judge, man. I mean, you know, fucking dogs eat grass. You know, I mean, people know what they need to do to heal themselves. But if you're doing something in excess, A, and B, as a means to not heal yourself, but fool yourself, I guess, is the mm. best way to put it. I feel you. You know? Well, um, not for everybody. No. So and everybody's got their own bag, man. Yeah. We talked about this. Everybody's bag. a bag within a bag within a bag, man. Yeah. And everybody really has their own bag. And I respect that to the absolute utmost. Uh, I would never judge anybody. The people that I don't judge, but I tend to hang out with and try to do my work with is people where it's it's poison. Mm. You know, people that are on their last leg, they're about to hit that bottom rung yeah. and pray that their rock bottom uh, doesn't kill them or somebody else. Yeah, you know? I mean... The thing you, the thing you're doing now, I think it's cool is really trying trying to help people who, who've got got the got the creature, man. They got the they got it in them. Well, man, I fucking love NANAA, and it works really really well for a lot of people, and um, but for some of us, it doesn't, and for us fucking weirdos, man, for the artists, for the creative types, for the Overtly or even subconsciously super spiritual types, it's really hard to deal with all that self-shame. And, um, you know, you could be in an NA or AA and not drink or use for years. And I think still not wrestle the bear with why you shouldn't be drinking to begin with or you shouldn't be imbibing to begin with. And, when, you know, for me, it was just a spiritual thing. It was like anything that comes between you know, me and success on a very base level, but on a more important level, anything that um, comes between me and my spiritual connection to mm. God, 
or my concept of God, which at the moment is a female, but that's another story I'm gathering. Well, what is it like? What's success for you? Man, waking up, yeah. you know, um, trying Feel to. You there. Well, you know, you just hit a point where you're tired of being a victim and you're tired of blaming uh, your past failures or your past circumstances. And man, you know, everybody's got their own shit bag. Uh, you know, you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose who you're born to. Um, and you don't choose what socioeconomic rung and ladder you're on. And, you know, you, uh, when we were younger, uh, especially you and I, we're old enough now where the American dream was actually like a thing and you could have one person that worked in a household and you could function and uh, provide and it's a different uh, thing now. Climb the socioeconomic ladder. And, you know, even if you were born in the projects, you had the same chance as somebody else. And then fucking people voted people like Betsy DeVos into office. And now we've got a two tier system, you know. Part of me. Not to get political or anything. Well, no, I, I, and that's, you know, not terrible, terribly political. But, you know, at at some point, Things change and uh, society changes and and adapting becomes a thing that makes us us. It's a thing that makes society. So, so yeah, things were, were probably in the 1950s, I assume. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're kind of talking about. The American dream was very alive and well, and now yeah. it looks very different, but it's still a thing. Well, it's a thing if you – it's almost like um, – uh, it's just so fucking expensive to be poor, uh, you know, just like access to credit, man. I mean, if you do not have a helping hand uh, when you're in your early teens and you're establishing your credit or, you know, you're like me, somebody who you know, had like a 900-something credit score when I was 17 years old uh, from working since I was 14 and uh, paying my own tuition, you know, I'll go get a $500 loan. I have it paid off in three months. You do that five or six times a year. Looks pretty good. Looks really good on your shit. And, uh, but, you know, and being on the other side of that and not having access to that credit because of circumstance, uh, you know, if I, you know, need to get ahead, if I have an emergency, if there's any bump in your road that any normal person seemingly would have covered and you're, uh, in this very vulnerable socioeconomic kind of, uh, rail here uh you know you're looking at you know three thousand percent interest on a title loan or yeah when you um, when you don't have any buffer when you don't have you can't take a hit it hurts 10 times as bad no and you know and we've got this whole um economic ecosystem that is just grinding uh these poverty ridden people into the fucking dirt I mean, to the point where right now, because of COVID, I mean, you got a huge swath of the population that's living in Section 8 housing that was functionally working, barely holding on prior yeah. to COVID. And it, now, it ju- that's yeah. all it took to get them down. And now you've got a huge swath of the population that hasn't seen a solid income uh, for whatever reason uh, in seven and eight months, and you can't buy fucking diapers with food stamps, bro. Yeah. 
Uh, and so you've got this huge black market vacuum that just swells up and, uh, you know, is gobbling these people up whole. Uh, you know, the artists in Appalachia, since we talked, uh, you know, it kind of stabilized with the deaths. I think the most vulnerable people in our communities kind of already popped off. But then you've got the stragglers and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, t you know, 10 years ago, you know, if you were to quit heroin, say, or, you know, Oxycontin or whatever your flavor of the month was, uh, you could do it effectively. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, there's was a methadone and some people, you know, did that, but, you know, you just get off of it and you roll on with your life. Well, now you got this whole other cycle of addiction where you've got fucking Purdue Pharma subsidiary putting out Subox, you know, Suboxone. Yeah. And you've got little white girls cutting that shit up in the suburbs because it's now become a fucking party drug. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting here watching this completely created uh, fucking derailment of the American dream. I mean, it's, 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 it's woo. And it's mass scale, man. And I can only do so much. But, you know, if you're going to kick the devil in the tit, you should probably, A, make sure it's a masterful strike, and B, have a make plan sure if it's not. Yeah, get the fuck out, man. God damn. Have a good escape. Oh, man, I kicked the devil in the tit so hard. He chased <laughs> me through three states, man. You know, and through three county jails in East Tennessee. Well, dude, you, uh, you told me since the last time that you were here, different guy. Oh, no. wow. Different you person know. now? Then you were, what What was that, three months ago? Oh, Something God, like that? three and a half, four. What was it? Yeah, and I basically, after we hung out, you know, uh, some of the business that I was doing here in town kind of went tits up, uh, and it wasn't me. It was so kind of, it's really horrible when you have a business um, endeavor that for whatever reason goes south. But it's another thing when it's like, uh, you know, not only did it go south, but it kicked off this huge fucking adventure. Well, what know? happened? Well, just, you know, uh, accounting irregularities. And I don't want to say anything other than that. But, you know, I mean, Knoxville's got this really old school kind of way of doing business. And it's, you know, every fucking bar's a front for God only knows what. And A, and then B, you know, the value of my entertainment in this town is so devalued going back generations that, you know, you come in and you do the same work and you do twice as good a job, but you're getting half the pay that you were making in 2003. Um, and these are some of the economic realities that, you know, anybody that's making a well, living off the arts deals with, especially it, music in Knoxville. Jesus. So it's not matched the, it's not matched the, Inflation that's gone on. Oh, Since Jesus in Christ. 20 years, no. you're still getting paid the same? I'm still, I'm making less money. You know, these venues and restaurants and everything else, their margins have been cut so tight that in a lot of cases, they've got less money to put into their entertainment budget now than they did then. Gotcha. Because their margins were better and, you know, they could, you know. So it's just a huge socioeconomic ball of shit that's made extremely worse by the fact that Knoxville has been so cutthroat in its music scene for so long. You know, the venue owners don't want the artists talking to each other. The, 
you know, artists are so, uh, you know, it's kind of like baby fucking birds. There's so few resources that right. you'll shove a motherfucker right out that nest just to make sure you get your next meal. And we've all cut each other's throats to the point that, you know, I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want high quality entertainment by a seasoned master artist? Or do you want to pay half that and have, you know, Beetle Bob and, you know, the 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 bucket kids? And God love that art. There's nothing right. wrong with it. There's a space for that. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like our arts community has done such a good job of being inclusive. No. On a on one level, yes, but on a commercial level, no, because there's absolutely no traction between, uh, you know, me being a success in Knoxville as an artist and me having uh, national success because there's no way for me to get out of here. There's no way for me to get out. Of, I mean, I can get out and I can tour my ass off and I can I've done that for 20 years, um, you know, random willy nilly doing the best you can. But uh, there's no real roadmap to economic freedom for a lot of these traveling artists. And, you know, we're really seeing the dying of, of, of a fucking, you know, tradition that goes back. I don't know. Bards. When did bards start running around <laughs> and being like, I yeah. saw some shit. 1400s. Village. <laughs> yeah, it was real whack. You know, you know, I mean, it's just, you know. I I feel you, and and I get it. It's 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 got to be tough to to go from town to town and 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 do your menstrual game, you know. Oh, and hustle, busk, and gigolo, man, hit it so hard, beat the brakes off that shit, get an extra bill under your pillow, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's been really uh, it was difficult before COVID. COVID is really been the great equalizer though and the game changer though because it doesn't matter how many thousands of dollars worth of video equipment you have if the substance of your content isn't uh true if it's not performing that mythological function yeah of, it's, it's become a bit more of merit-based stuff boom, your stuff has boom. to be good which right. I think is demo yeah I think you're absolutely right and it's and in, in a way it's democratized uh, some of the truer artists. I mean, I can't tell you how many artists I've discovered. Uh, Mark Lum is one. Lumbum, give him a big shout out. Okay, uh, he's a young artist from Texas that just like hit me when I was in my twenties. Man, I got to get the fuck up and go and play my way and pay my dues and just do that menstrual thing. And he did it in a time where the socially distant fest is going on and all of these big portal conglomerates where, you know, you know, I can sit here and go on socially distant fest right now, open up a live stream and they will live stream us live streaming this live stream. Yeah. And, you know, having access to that many people's eyes for an artist like me or like him, uh, going back to Mark Lum, you yeah. know, he, he picked up traction with the industry. Because they saw him. Do you think it was easier to pick up traction with the industry during COVID? But if you were already kind of kind of there, kind of ready for it, I think if you weren't ready to redevelop yourself and reconnect with your audience in a way that a lot of us, and I think you know what I do, I think first and foremost. I try to be a pillar of non-contrived 
pure art when I do what I do. And I think the industry pushes us to contrition, uh, towards contrition, that we have to be this way and sound this way and have this shtick. And uh, it really limits what you're, how you're able to truly connect with your audience because you're doing your art through this fucking fictitious, uh, you know, prefabricated idea of what you think you need to be instead of just sitting down and looking at somebody right here in the microphone and being like, hey, look, you know, I'm right here. And I think that's forcing us as artists to kind of re-evaluate how we approach our art, how we speak to our audience, and how that content needs to be um, true and pure because man you can live stream a million fucking things right here well and i think that's part of the you problem know? too is that it's become a crowded space is that there's when people have an abundance of time on their hands mm -hmm. you know they go after attention in some cases well so is the gold rush you know i mean that's the thing i was talking about the gold rush with somebody yeah, today i mean and that's where that we're literally at the point where we're in the middle of the gold rush and we get, but is as, it, or is it, is it just iron ore, man? I mean, is it just all out both. there and there's, and it's there's both. nothing to it because I, f I feel like there's so much <clears throat> shit you can dig up, but only some of it's good. But here's the deal. When there's so much shit, that's when seamsters and purveyors of that culture, the people that are on the front lines are out there kind of summing it up. And that's where people like me, with Mad Monk Entertainment as being a portal for some weird, crazy, cool shit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm personally out there either making it or cultivating it or sharing it. And I want the Mad Monk Entertainment to represent that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've got, you know, small amount of followers, you know, under a thousand right now, but I'm getting videos that have 33, 34, 3,500 plays. Well, I think it's because the message is good. Right. And it's getting picked up. I mean, and this is a time where it's like you're in such a nihilistic shit show that anybody that says not even that they know what the fuck is up, but just like says, hey, man, let's all chill and just this is a scene. Let's get into this for a minute. And I think if we as storytellers and artists are doing our job, we're going to be able to transport people away from just how shit-tastic it is right now and and maybe give them some levity if not uh, uh i don't know man just some kind of levity's good levity's uh, always good and perspective As, is the word i'm looking for perspective okay. on what we're going through i think levity right now is is really nice for people because it uh we we all know we're going through some shit we all know that this is a, a very strange time yeah. for our world, yeah. something that we've not seen in our lifetimes. And we might see some crazier shit by the I time it's said done. probably are. I mean. But I'm, there I'm, is a little bit of laughing that really helps this thing get get by. You have to. I think you have to. And, you know, I think the, you know, what we're going through right now is kind of like what kicked vaudeville off. 
You know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. we're seeing a point where if you have equity, if you have money, if you have well, money in the stock market right now, man, you're fucking living large. But it's it's also escapism too. Like there's there's a lot of that going on that was going on during the like the Great Depression, for instance. Yes. The the film industry went through a really big bump during that time totally. because people well, wanted to get away from some shit. They wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Netflix, Tiger King, all that Hulu, stuff. All of it. People, people wanted to escape through something mm-hmm. and they did. And it was a way to, that made them feel good when everything else around them felt real shitty. And, and, and that's the same thing that happened during the great depression with the film business is that a nice air conditioned place to go watch a movie and oh, sit God. down it would, was that great could change and that was, your that life. was a, escapism that to could the change your life exactly and you know going back to you know like going back to the bard and the minstrel you know their number one job other than wiggling their fingers and singing something pretty was literally to transport information from one region to another. They were traveling around and they Boom. were they were letting the this village know about what was going what on was the going village on. behind them. Exactly. And you know, it on a certain level, you know, it doesn't matter what the fuck the king was saying, what was going on, you asked the village bard, you know. And or the bard you, you that you got was the real story and you from got the bard. The real story from the bard. Yeah. And we are dealing with such a fucking similar scenario. I mean, you cannot believe a single fucking thing that you get from a media outlet right now. Unless I wish there was a bard traveling around door to door telling me what the truth was. Well, you know, we can live stream that now. And that's what the fuck I'm talking about is that we literally have little mini fucking TV stations in our shit. And, you know, when you really think about. You mean about, in your phone? Like yeah, little- in your phone, in your shit. I mean, we are the means of production, motherfuckers. For fourteen ninety five, a half ounce of weed and 150 bucks, you too can get yourself a crack top off Facebook Marketplace <laughs> and fucking do your shit. Hey, that laptop's holding up. This thing is pimp to sweet. What is that, ThinkPad? Oh, God, yeah. It's one of them big base things, man. It's IBM like ThinkPad? 64 gigs. Yeah, man. And, you know, here's the trick. You know, when you hustle for a living, you you buy low and you sell high. There you go. And so I watched the Facebook Marketplace, and as an astute observer of the human condition and uh, also a recovery advocate, I understand that close parabola where, you know, like, you know, the stolen goods you have meet, like, man, I need a fix. And so you watch the Facebook. And so started out as 1,200, and then it dropped down to eight. Then I waited a couple more days. You had it, that guy's number at that point. 600, and when it hit 600, I called that motherfucker up. said, you're thirsty, I aren't said, you? Hey, man. I said, hey, man, I got some cash and shit, but uh, I do some trade, too. And uh, so, and he's like, well, what you got to trade? I was like, man, I don't want to talk about it on the phone. But, man. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll be over in a minute. And I get over and that motherfucker's like, oh, woo, yeah, man, what you got? Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm sorry. I don't do any of that. But, you know, I've got some weed, you know, and like a couple hundred bucks. You know, we do this right, you know. And he's like, satisfied fucking customer, you know. I'm going to roll on down the road. And you got your laptop for nothing. Woo, it was twelve hundred bucks the day dude, before. Dude, this is a thirty-two hundred dollar laptop. Dude. I took it to one of my engineer geek buds, and he went, oh, "This is the big one." <laughs> went, God, he was like, "He was like, mine's small." And I was like, I was like "Yeah, you know, it's like take over the world." The here. crack top, I love. Oh it. man, and it's great. It's great. We've been working, um, man. I've been, Jesus, man. 
Dude, you know what's funny? Talking about the Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Craigslist is dead, bro. Oh, it's dead. oh no, no. There are some premium escort services to be found. <laughs> That's why you go to Craigslist. Okay, just for yes, just for hookers. Just for and you know. But, you know but everywhere how, yeah. else you go to the Facebook Marketplace. You like you want to buy a car? Yeah. Marketplace. Well, if, I, if it's on Facebook Marketplace, that's an unregulated buying platform. We like to call those black markets. But, but so it's it's tied and to it's tied to people's profiles, which are some, which somewhat feel and not vetted. to any serial numbers of anything right. ever. But if you have a mutual friend with yeah. somebody who's selling something, yeah. you can check them out a little bit, and make sure it's and not see a, if they stole your shit. Well, yeah. make sure it's not a Russian robot that's but, trying to rob you. And but you know, I use it for like for friends. Of mine that are in recovery. Like, if Use I what, see the marketplace? Them, yeah, no, I watch their profile. And if they start posting oh, a bunch okay. of shit on Facebook yeah. Marketplace, like they selling baby clothes and shit, I'm yeah. like, okay, I need, to, I need to holler at him. I'll make a phone call and be like, man, all right, man. Hey, you been doing that? I said, no, I've been up on you. It's been up on you real bad here, been- man. Yeah, and just go hang out with them for a minute, see what's going on. Uh, but you know, I mean, that's, that's a, a good point. That's, I, that's funny. You gotta, you gotta monitor your, your sheep, oh, yeah. <laughs> make sure they're, uh, make oh, sure they, yeah. they're doing right. Well, <laughs> it ain't up to me, man. It's, you know, I mean, you start doing this work and you realize that, you know, I'm one person, I've only got so much energy and sometimes not a lot of that, but, uh, you know, I can't be watering nobody's flower for them. All I can do is, uh, you know. Prune, you can turn prune. the hose on. Well, I can prune some shit and I can plant seeds, but you know, less they got to water yeah. it themselves. Yeah, and I ain't gonna pull no weeds unless you pay extra for that shit. <laughs> God, I'll man. throw it right over the fence. You tell me his name, where he lives, motherfucker. I'll, I'll get that car too. Don't fuck with me now. <laughs> Have you been playing music? I've played my ass off. Really? It's been, you know, when I left here. Left um, where? When I left Knoxville, I guess it was about a couple weeks. I was getting ready. I knew I was getting ready to do some. Do you go on tour? I don't want to call it that. Really? Uh, yeah, it was the kick the devil on the tit tour. Uh, I like it. But I spirit <laughs> drove. I can't explain the urge that I had. And, you know, normally you have some bad shit go down or you get a little resistance. And, you know, my first in- instinct has been to run away. I mean, Lived on the streets of New Orleans and shit when I was 15 because of that feeling. And that's some ballsy shit to yeah. know you can do. And I relish that ability. <laughs> uh, Still got it? I, I'll grease weasel straight to fuck up, squeeze to a crack. What you talking about? <laughs> Did you made uh, it through down Maloney uh, Road? <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you know, I'm a hell of a wheel man. Anyway. Um, Did you go on the road and play? Well, I... Knew I had some friends I needed to check on. It was crazy. I was taking a musician friend of mine who was on her last run, and she was ready to quit drinking and uh, did her a solid and literally used my services, which is basically I go crawl in burning buildings because I'm fucking fireproof and grab these motherfuckers. And if they're ready to go, they just pull the trigger. And because I'm free enough and I care enough, I'll go get them, and we'll just go get them take them where they need to go. Are you, you know? Kidnapping people for recovery? I am corn napping people, yes. Corn napping? Pro- professionally. <laughs> I am a professional corn napper. Like, if you're real fucking tweaked out and, like, people love you, they may pay me. Like, and I may be like, hey, do you know what ether smells like? And if they say no, I'm like, hey, 
No, it's not. The I'm corn not, nap and then I'm the quarantine. I'm not going to pick up any more charges. Please pray to <laughs> God. I don't. But anyway, no, no, no. These are people that are ready to go. These are people that I've identified that I've been friends with for years or that circumstances really put me, put them on my plate. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, I can only do what I can do. And if you're on my fucking plate, you're on my plate. And that's it. We're gonna we're gonna get it. And we're gonna eat this plate. And we're gonna we're gonna figure out where you need to go. And if I can't help you, I'll generally try and you know, uh, I've been working real closely with a lot of the rehab facilities in the southeast. You know, Cornerstone here in Knoxville is amazing. Big really? shout out Steve Wildsmith out there. Uh, you know, Michael Crawley out there, one of the best recovery. You know, these are musicians and people that are in the scene. That I, made, I've heard that place has helped a lot of wow, people. Wow, it is amazing. Doing they, it the right way. Well, they're kind of a flagship, I mean, for what recovery should look like or wants to look like in the Southeast. Right they have now. a lot of advocates, a lot of people that, that will that will point to to putting their life back on track to Cornerstone of Recovery. They which do. is right down here. Yeah, Not it's far. just right down the road. A couple road. miles away. I've dropped more than a few people off there. Have you? Uh, Picked them up? Well, kicked them, no, kicked them and screaming. I didn't, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to kidnap them out of a sham rehab. No. <laughs> no. You really want me to tell you that? Oh, God. What? It, what the the okay, sham rehab okay, story? Okay, so back to we're getting on the road. <laughs> I start fucking spirit driving, which means I this, like – this is I, when a couple months ago. This couple months ago, it's probably back in uh, early October. Okay. So I had to take this girl to rehab, and and because of COVID, all the facilities are clogged up. So I really have to make some phone calls and be like, "Hey, Sherry, Sherry, girl, is that is that girl out? She's out. Okay, hold that fucking bed. Go put your hand on the bed. I will be there. Come on, girl. Really? There's not a lot of beds no, in rehab right now? No, there's Because they got to keep numbers down. Because they have to keep numbers down. Because of COVID. if you get one person that tests positive. So do you think there's, do you think there's more addicts out on the street? Oh, Jesus Christ. Drug not only rehabs that, are, are not beds only, are down? Not only are there more addicts on the street that cannot get the help, but you've got a higher propensity towards addiction because of the fucking stressors, man. Yeah. The economic stressors and goddamn Knox County. Fuck this fucking piece of shit. Fucking whoever signed off to bulldoze the homeless camp. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that displaced a bunch of people. The didn't week it? before it got so, cold. So with, I had. Oh wait, was God, that this year? Or that was last this year? year. Was it? There were thirteen thousand fucking people living in this camp. One camp. They displaced close to thirty thousand people. In the middle of a pandemic, with Wait, no who fucks, did? the city of Knox County yes. or, or uh, the county of yes, they busted up every single homeless camp that really? they could find that was adjacent to a bridge or a structure. How come I hadn't heard about this? Well, I wonder why, because you can't trust any fucking thing you get from the local media down up and on up through to MSN and Fox and all that shit. 30,000 people were displaced. Yes, this well, year. Yes. Back really? during, I can't Cause remember. Because I remember they busted up a camp. It was in uh, our, uh, late October, early November, man. Of this year? Of this fucking year, I dude. remember they did some stuff like that last year, the year before, and it displaced a bunch of people, put and a, they a heavy load hell. on. Yeah, and it put a heavy load on cars. And they and, did it again in the middle of a pandemic. It's almost like somebody up at the top wants to see all hell broke loose, break loose on the lowest tier. 
doesn't sound like a smart thing to do to no. to poke the bear and and people are living people are you know these are people as, as ha- as, these are people like we were talking about that had one bad phone bill one car wreck one something bad happened and they, they and boom they didn't have a buffer no. and and a bad thing some bad stuff befell them and here we are I feel and here it. we are you know but uh but you know i mean this kind of you know and it's like the government's like you know all the republicans are like you know, they want to cut all the programs and, and you know can't have anybody having any handouts and you know why do i have to work so hard when over here and all this anti-poverty uh rhetoric from this area yeah. that is uh very surgically placed i might add what do you mean uh, well, you know, it's all going back to the last conversation we had, fucking TBA and social engineering. And I don't mean to harp and blame them on everything, but you have to look at society. You think we're predisposed to in be, this area, yes. To be in a place where boom mental health troubles. Not just mental health troubles, but any community activities organization is gonna be looked at as suspect. Mm. You know? It's uh yeah. Really? I fucking totally firmly believe that. Really? I mean, and you can see it in state legislature I, like the I way I understand that we- a little bit because I, I understand where people see uh, these things happening, people that need help, and then they see people being helped, and they can view it as a handout, right? Well, and that's almost like a hard line. It's even fucking more insidious than that because it becomes an us versus them. And like Trump has really fucking played this shit up. Okay. He's got every hardworking middle class, barely hanging on redneck who has saved all his money so he can blow coal, pickup truck, you know, rolling around, you know, you know, he's got every one of these kids thinking that, uh, you know, the welfare queen scenario and, and, you know, and then tying it to a race or, a, you know, it's, it's, it's insidious, racist, classist dog whistle warfare on, uh, you know, poverty, you know, the, the very bottom line, you know, there's really no difference between that redneck and, uh, you know, somebody on the other racial line that's working hard, to feed their family too. And if these two people sat down and started talking, they'd probably find out they had a lot more fucking in common than they've got. Rather than being pitted against each other from the get go. But if, you know, it's really hard to hate someone named Juan who you've hung out with and, you know, know that their aunt owns the bakery over there and they're just trying to make ends meet. But if you say them over there, they become a group and you can alienate and dehumanize them to your heart's content. Yeah. And so you have, uh, you know, a greater division, a greater marginalization along class and racial lines because, uh, you know, these parts of the communities don't feel included at all, at all, I think, you know. I I see it with the Hispanic community, especially in Morristown. They just become, in all the rural areas, they're very Are there a bunch of Hispanics in Morristown? Holy shit, are you fucking shitting me, dude? Let me tell you about this. Because of the factories and... Uh You think Republicans don't want Mexicans here? Let me fucking tell you how much they don't want, uh, you know, immigrant uh, workers here. Because, you know, three-quarters of this state's agricultural economy is run on the back of unskilled, low-paid, imported, probably using coyote, uh, you know, uh, immigrant labor. I mean, Hamlin County on the books is about 80000 
80,000 uh, people yeah. live there in the county. On the books in right. 19 square miles or 21, I think they added. That's it? Something. That's it. Square miles? But no it's, way. Yes, but it That's is. a small-ass county. But it is right in the middle of the 8140 split, the 1125 yeah. split. Mm-hmm. It's where two rivers it's come together. It's an easy place to to drop somebody I, off. bodies, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of holes in the holler over there, you know, <laughs> woo, you know, people call you up, man, hey, man, get some duct tape in a, in a bag. No, oh, come show. on. No. <laughs> but but there are a lot of natural resources. It is a very busy spot right Well, there. and it's a central location for two reasons because you've, Talking got, about Hamlin County. you've got access to three counties where 75% of their business is agricultural. you got green, you got college, gotcha. you got – And, you know, they're all working in the, the highly skilled uh, shit that a machine can't pick, tomatoes, strawberries – uh, shit like that, right. you know, high dollar items, you know. Yeah, the stuff you got to be gentle with. Yeah, 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 that, you know, little white Jewish ladies in New York City pay a premium for because it says, you know, Granger County tomato right. shit, you yeah. know, and it's actually grown in Green County. Benton's but anyway, bacon. Yes, exactly, same phenomenon. But, like, the population of the county goes up to, you know, 130, 140,000 for about seven months. And, you know, we've when, also— when, when the sun's out? Oh, no, the growing season. Yeah, yeah. That's and what I mean. Then, and then you've also got the uh, poultry plants there, cotton mm. foods. And, you know, they were— that is that—I thought that was in Newport. No, new, that's, that's they're like— all at, over the southeast, cock foods. They do a lot of the processing for uh, restaurants. Man, if you watch one of their chicken trucks drive down the road, oh, God. you'll vomit. No, dude, you don't even understand. I see those little chickens, and they— they make it out of the cages. <laughs> you just think, man, that little chicken's free. And then you see a meth head roll over it in front of the, you know. But I, yes, I industrial know. Industrial farming thing is, is ugly. And it's see, ugly. there's a shit ton of that going on as yeah. well. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the uh, migrant workers come from, right? No, they're doing mostly the tomato and the strawberries. Picking okay? stuff. Yes. But they're also working. Uh, like I said, in and out of the poultry processing Mm -hmm. plant. Yeah. I remember there was, uh, I was listening to like a This American Life or something, talking about uh, a city in Alabama that becomes, you know, gigantic during, during when they harvest, growing season and then poultry Mm -hmm. too. Uh, And, and it's like, they've watched their town go from, from, you know, being nothing but white people uh, for, for, Hundreds of years, yeah. To now, there's migrant workers that are fifty percent of the population. Yeah, and what and happened? If, boy, to their if that economy. doesn't freak, well, well it freaked them out on the front end, and then everybody goes to the bank. And yeah, you, and that, that's you know, it. Is is it? It did. It did great for them, but because it's not what they have seen for generations, exactly, generations, exactly. And generations. You know, and I go back to you know this misspent idea of American exceptionalism and this make America great bullshit again. And I keep thinking, you know, what makes America great is that there are so many fucking cultures here. And we're so layer caked up that we've all found the lowest common denominator to be able to function as a as 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 a disseparate group of people. And what do you, you're what do you seeing mean? that well, like, you know, I mean, look at all the waves of immigration through this country. And how each particular uh, immigrant population brought along with it its own set of ideals that colored the country, its own set of architecture, its own set of food. I think it's what it's makes our country awesome. Yeah, we are. We don't see a lot pot. of it here in well, East Tennessee. 
We are in a myopic little fishbowl, a little dirty fishbowl. It's not, it's not dirty. Do you want, you want to talk about the particulate matter in the Holston I, River? Because I'll well, tell you, okay. it's dirty. Yes. It's really dirty. Yeah, okay. If you're it's, talking about runoff. If you're it's like Yangtze times 20 dirty. Yeah, I guess at I, least I, in plastic particles, by the way. Ladies, quit using plastic. Uh, it's killing you. Really. Yeah. But I, I do feel like, you know, for what we've got here, as much as it not, as much as it might not be the uh, perfect uh, microcosm of the melting pot that is our country, it's still a fucking awesome place to be. Well, we've got. And you can experience all, you know, experience at least some of those things. Well, man, you know, Knoxville, I think, is going through this really kind of identity crisis right now, and uh, on one end, and on the other. There's some really surprising answers to that. Like, there's a lot of uh, community outreach. There's a lot of, like, especially with the Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, uh, different politicians that are running for local offices that are, you know, uh, that are African-American, have the African-American community in mind, uh, you know, that are kind of reshaping politically and culturally what's going on right now. And I think we're seeing on one side uh, a lot of people step up. But on the other side, you know, I'm kind of seeing the battle lines are drawn. Like I almost saw a fucking race riot after a show in uh, Market Square a couple weeks ago. What happened? Uh, There was a memorial. We had another uh, – Bryce Spencer had passed. Uh, it's Tim Spencer, uh, Soul Finger, his son, uh, had passed. And they were having a little memorial. And that crowd's pretty liberal, you know. And they came out and bumped up heads on some kids coming from Skybox and Coyote Joes and shit. And mm-hmm. some, uh, you know, my, words got exchanged that ended up becoming a political thing. Late night? When and was I, it? This is like when was eleven this? o'clock. What? You know? t- wh- but what? What was the date? Was it right around the election? Yeah, no, uh, it was two weeks ago. Okay, so three weeks ago. I guess we're still pretty divided. We're still pretty <laughs> divided. But no, I heard. I literally heard somebody yell, "I've got a piece of lead for every one of you pussy liberal motherfuckers." Hmm. And, that's a bad. That's a bad look. And I thought to myself, I was like, okay. Am I going to say something? Is John Colquitt going to get up and do this? And he did do that. We both went into the crowd not expecting to go knock heads, but just that feel of tension was so fucking palatable, man. It's something that, like, you know, the only other thing I can understand that might be the equivalent is, like, the calm before the first volley of a war or uh, in my case, you know, that feeling right before the mosh pit erupted into a fucking slaughter <laughs> fat. And some little white girl loses a tooth and it's all over, man. <laughs> that kind of feeling of like, you know, the brawl is getting ready to go on. And it's such a primal species feeling that has been co-opted by this bullshit, bro. And that scares. I mean, I think everything I'm doing right now is a response to a fear of that. I get it. 
and I think it's I think it's a I think it's a real thing to uh, put effort into resisting a little bit because I think the separation is the thing that's the most harmful. To you know, I th- I'm so glad you said that fucking word resistance. Um, and I don't mean it in an anarchist no, kind of way. No, but I all. think you need to at the same fucking time. Well, you, I think we really need to see it in that our anarchist way. In that, I think we have to be able to deconstruct what's not working. Um, but you have to discern what's not working first, and I think that's the that's the spot we're in yeah. right now. It's it's just we're we're in this diagnostic phase. Where trying we're to trying, find that equilibrium. Uh, but I think it's good. I, no, I, I think we're all really having to think what matters to me. What do I think? Where do I, where do I stand on this? Where do I? We're experiencing the greatest uh, redesign and retooling and tune up of the American heart. Agreed. And the American artist. And, you know, it's like, we know what doesn't work. Those bodies are in the fucking ground, you know, living in a consumer driven, ego driven, I mean, my fuck you world leads to bodies in the ground and junkies dead. And, you know, my buddy having to work, you know, two jobs to afford his uh, suboxone scripts and smoking an eighth of math through the week to keep up so he can still take care of his kids. Uh, and that's a real reality right now, man. And, and woo, you know, <laughs> to create art in the middle of that, you know, and I keep going back to fucking Albert Camus. I love him so much. He was such a badass. But when he was in World War II, um, through World War II, he literally started a French resistance cell against the Nazis. And not only was he like blowing up railroads and clipping telegraph wires and telling people where to throw the fucking Molotov cocktails, but he was literally keeping track, keeping a journal, man, and keeping his eye on what intellectuals in the European scene kowtowed and sucked some Nazi cock and like, you Wait. know, Heidegger, look at Heidegger, dude. Heidegger like basically was like, oh, Nazi Germany. Hey, cool. Let's do whatever. Ubermensch. Yeah. But Albert Camus, yeah. Camus. And he was calling all the artists out. Sorry, we calling got out, calling it. Yeah, we are. We are way <laughs> off track. With when were we ever on? So he calls everybody out. He calls out Pablo Neruda, Jose Ortega Gasset. They hopped on a fucking banana boat and went to Argentina. Nobody was dealing with what was going on and really confronting it uh, artistically or anyway, other than as a propaganda vehicle. Who's Albert Camus? Albert Camus is a famous mid-century French existentialist and like my burning philosophical spirit animal at this point. Um, but he uh, he called everybody out and he said, you bunch of pussies, basically. How dare you kowtow to something you know is wrong, lend your art to it, lend what your minds to it. Religion? No. Government? No. I mean, you got to look at like, look at how Nazi Germany basically was able through propaganda and culture to warp the minds of an entire fucking population sure. into believing that it was okay to do what they did. Yeah. And when you look at how effective they did how effectively they did that, 
Uh, so that's what he was the against. The biggest part of it was co-opting the culture, getting, you know. Appropriating the culture in a lot and, of ways. And then using it to streamline the bullshit. And so he was calling it out and he kept a journal called Resistance, Rebellion, and Death. It's out of print. It's very hard to get a copy of, but I've read that damn thing like 40 times. And in it, he says that the truest art is created by the artist who is in chains, that it is by being in those chains and by liberating yourself through the art that you are the truest artist. Mm. And so, you know, it's like here we are in this darkest hour, and it's like what the hell are you going to do? You know, I can only get so many people to detox one-on-one. You only have um, so much time in the day. How do you combat what's going on uh, on a functional level. And the only answer I've had is art at this point. I mean, other than doing the work of helping people where you can, just that creative act to make something in the vacuum of... Get them to make something, make something for you, make something for them. Collectively making something, just your individual act of creating art is like this screaming protest into the night of Sisyphus rolling the rock up the hill. Right. Now we're, (laughs) now we're like speaking crazy shit, but no, it's the ability to realize that it is just a shit fuck show. And like, there's nothing really we can do, but endure, but waking up and being able to roll that rock up the hill and make the choice to live is what I'm talking. So I got to know, yeah. how many people now have you, have you gotten on the right track? Well, I mean, recently, recently, uh, I don't know, man, I guess I'm up to in the last six or seven months, maybe, uh, maybe six people, seven people. It's noble. But it seems, it seems like too, there's, it's, it's never done, right? Recovery is never done. No, because it's, you know, you establish these interpersonal connections with people and it's not like I'm some fucking guru or I know what's up. I don't know my ass from apple butter. I just know a few things to be true and I'm taking responsibility for your own emotions, your own actions, um, which, you know, I'm still working on every day. Sure. I'm just smart That's enough. That's what I appreciate about you too. Is that you're oh. walking it, you're doing it. Oh man, you're working I'm on so it. messy. It is so messy. It squeezes out of the sides, That's you know. Good, though. And beautiful people love me and help me clean up the mess. Thank <laughs> God. Uh, not talking about nobody like Haley or nobody, but anyway, um, she was here last time. Oh yes, she, she sat is. in the corner of the, it. Was the first time I've ever done a podcast with somebody else in the room, and what? she sat over there and she laughed every now and then she did and she and you know well you know she's a therapist right yeah, yeah. and so she was totally like everything she does i can just see like a part of her like writing notes like well, okay yeah i talked to her afterwards and i was like uh-huh. so how was it what'd you think and, and she was like man uh you know it was fantastic and i i just i want to protect john because i know I, you it's, know it's like it was so vulnerable it was yeah. so raw He's like, like, I hope those old men don't know that he knows because he just stole them. You know, like (laughs) he just told all his secrets. Like, and y'all don't know what it's like until you get a call from the unknown caller. Like, I don't know if y'all know this, but like, you know, East Tennessee's run pretty tight. 
Okay. Like What's the unknown collar? The unknown collar is where you done gone fucked up with somebody. What's that? That's where you like said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. Do you answer it, it when the unknown caller calls or do you do you send that you straight to voicemail? answer it at your own peril, okay? Because okay. if you you know you done some shit, you know you're going to get a call. So like I remember the first time I got an unknown caller call, I was 18 years old, uh, 19, and I was working in a radio station, AM 1300 WMTN, right? Like More sound? Yeah, bluegrass. Oh, like our, good guess. And I was the little geek that walked in with a Marantz to the school board meetings and said, uh, hey, uh, you know those numbers you gave me? There's a $200,000 hole. And you what? might want to check your accounting because, man, you're new. Wait, what's a Marantz? Huh? What's a Marantz? It's a little old school recording devices, yeah. the tape recorders, yeah. man. Those high dollar sweet yeah. tit, you know. Yeah, I remember those things. Yeah, dude. So just, what would you do? You'd walk in Yeah, I was live. You know, I was doing the, you know the news <laughs> so you were like investigative journalist oh i shouldn't have been but i was so what were you doing with this morantz so i would go in and i would do the school board meetings i would do you know the city council meetings and you know i would try not to ask too many questions but i they would you know that's the thing about stupid politicians is they, they just think everybody's you know like they've just got everybody fooled and nobody's going to break a calculator out and, and so you did and you found and some accounting it malpractice really it was really <laughs> bad it was so bad that like you know one of the leading media producers in the area i may have rubbed a little wrong you know did a little you know about how like maybe there was a you know, newspaper that might be hiring illegal people from, you know, mental, uh, you know, health facilities and uh, <laughs> might be kicking, you know, use barrels of zap into the lake for, you know, $10 an hour, you know, hired day labor. But, uh, <laughs> You're and the they last owned, person. And You're... they owned the labor company too. That's what was crazy. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I did a couple of reports, and this was at a very crucial time uh, ecologically for ecolog ecological awareness in East Tennessee because TVA cut its non power funding in 94 and quit regulating, quit testing, quit doing What's everything. What's non-power funding? Uh, anything, anything that wasn't a dam? that wasn't a dam, a power line, or critical defense infrastructure that okay. took their hands off. So all of the family— So TVA now was funding nothing ex unless it made them money. Unless it made them money. Okay. And they basically went from a— What did they What did they fund before that? Well, they funded, well, like crazy shit. Like, like okay. To well, what, a, what else other than okay, power Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. So to appease the hillbillies on the grants when they took their land, you know, like Granny Smith liked, you know, birds. So they would up keep it up as an apiary. Uh, little Timmy died of typhoid, so they would put shit in. Put the, a hospital in? Put Well, they would say, you know, we're going to spray for mosquitoes. Oh, you gotcha. know, Uncle Bob lost a fucking leg because of a boating accident. You know, they will maintain the waterways. So there's goodwill projects that they kind of did to make that their. That were all tied into the land grants for the hillbillies. Yeah. Taking, taking land from people. The, yeah. that okay. Like the deeds were contingent upon perpetuating these services. Okay. Yeah. Ah, really? So, so did they when they defaulted on these services? Well, you know, did they default on the well, deeds? Hush your whore mouth. I think <laughs> they did, but that's just my personal legal and maybe a uh, class action lawsuits. Uh, woo! No, I'm just playing. We haven't done that. <laughs> Every time yet. you say woo, I'll I'll take laugh. a lot of money for me not to though. Woo! <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, get that damn land back, son. I want to start a hippie fucking Shangri-La, like, ashram, new age, like, crazy, that island. On, on all the land that TBA oh took. Oh, God, that would be great. On all the land that TBA It would be has. like Dollywood, but for us. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I mean. You can build some water slides on that Throw thing? your fucking kids in the balls and come over here, you know, hang out. <laughs> like, let them play with stuff over there. It's well-maintained and regulated. Over here, though, we've got cool stuff. No, I'm just playing. Actually, no, I'm really not. But what's this thing? That is Palo Santo, my brother. What's Palo Santo? Palo Santo is the South American version of uh, sage. It smells it's, like burnt PVC. No, no, that's just what we were doing with it before. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. We don't. We, we don't stop. do that. We, we don't tell that joke anymore. <laughs> What's Palo Santos? Is that what you're uh, Yeah, Palo Santo. It's uh, uh, used in a lot of South American rituals and rites. What's it do? It's like the, uh, you know. Um, you said it's like a it's, smudge stick. It's the dynamite in the rock, paper, scissors of, of you know, get the fuck back, evil spirits. Um, Can I light it up? Oh, man, do you have a lighter? Dude, holy shit, you know I do. Oh, I've got one right here. Palo Santo. Yeah, unfortunately, it has been way over-harvested because— It, it looks like uh, a piece of wood. It does. It just takes a very, very, very little amount. Okay, sorry. Did it I light would, it too no, much? No, you're fine. You're fine. That's what it's for. And, I, you know, I don't use it a lot. It's not like incense. What's it do? It just clears the air, man. It clears the air. Um, the human brain is a very complex thing, can be influenced by very, very many things, substances, electromagnetic fields, spirits, what the fuck ever you want to call it. Uh, but, you know, you can uh, get in a really bad energy space and be affected by shit. And this just kind of, you know, clears the air. It's... Uh, doesn't really matter what mask you hang on, what God or what little sacrament you do, if any. It's all just an attempt to... Uh, Reattenuate reality magic is what they used to call it uh, a reattenuation of reality but anytime you can get a physical sensation that transports you outside of your normal state of mind you can start doing the work you know you've got your ego and you've got yourself you know uh, the id and the super id is what you know psychologically you would call it but You've got the bullshit, hairless, horny, drunk monkey that flings poo through the universe because the devil wants it to. And then you've got your truest, highest self, which is like, well, you need to be doing. But where do you live? In the middle somewhere? I think we all do every day. And it's these small choices like lighting a Palo Santo and getting your head outside of, you know, your humdrum experience. You know, the smallest things can completely reattenuate your focus on reality, man. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's all a shit sickle, bro. Mm. It's just how you want to lick it. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, what angle on the dangle do you want to put it? And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, making magic happen right now. Dude. I'm so pumped. We did this. Woo. <laughs> Stop it. You got to quit saying that. Cause it makes me laugh. Every time. Well, listen, dude, You're like something terrible really no. happened. Woo. And well, just, you know, this is how we do. We take the blues and we turn them into woos. Uh, the I don't want these fucking blues anymore. You can have them. For what free. about uh? Wait, there's one more, one more thing I want to talk about. Nostalgia. 
nostalgia. Nostalgia. Oh, you're gonna love it. These, you know, we get bored and make up these words. Uh, What's nostalgia? Nostalgia is realizing that it was a shit sickle hundred years ago too, and that there's no way that you can rosy frame anything without understanding that you know. I mean, like, let's take for example. Hillbilly moonshine culture. And everybody's like, yeah, that's great. And it's this art form. And, you know, it's this damn the man, anarchist, fuck you. Yeah, it's great. And then, you know, you're somebody like my partner who does the mental health side of that and has to deal with, you know, the uh, sexual abuse and the physical assaults and the, you know, having no father because he's in jail and all of the social ills. So, you can't oh, look, shit. you can't look at that hillbilly woo without realizing it was a shit show too. And so that's nostalgia, you know, that's it's taking the, it's a the stuff you don't want to remember that you have it's, to remember yeah. to not do it again. Yeah. You know, and we want to like candy coat everything and make everything like, no, no. Put a filter on it. No, it was a shit show. It was a shit show then. It's a shit show now. You know, people did evil, mean, greedy stuff back then. They just didn't have Facebook and Instagram to call them out on it like we do now. <laughs> you know? Speaking of which, we're going to get in trouble in the morning, aren't we? We're so in trouble. We're, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to be grounded. Get, are we going to get sued by a corporation? No. Put in the doghouse? Yeah, I maybe. Know. I don't know. It's totally yeah. worth it, though. But, hey, I do want to talk real quick about something. Um, yeah, hit me. Well... You know, following the whole, you know, you want to change the world, learn how to change your own diaper scenario. <laughs> we're uh, we're doing some community based uh, kind of co op art space stuff down in Morristown. Cool. What's that uh, all about? Well, oddly enough, it's in the back of an old pawn shop. Hell yeah. <laughs> we uh, the buddy, best things happen at a pawn shop. Well, a buddy of mine is running was running a car lot down there. You know, just uh, doing his thing, and he's a musician. And since all the venues closed, we were like, "Well, hell, let's get in here and see what we can do," because we've needed kind of a facility to do live events from anyway for Facebook and for live streams. And uh, like I said, at this point, playing, you know, getting together and playing for thirty damn minutes could be the difference between somebody being here sure. or not. Yeah. So if we can do it and do it safe, or we're gonna we're gonna try. So uh, really putting a lot of energy into developing a space. Uh, it may be called the Buffalo Union Hall. I'm not sure. We're kind of like swimming around. Like, Working is, title. Yeah. Like, is this gonna be the Buffalo Lounge? And they're like, Yes, yes, it is. And you know. So still um, might be. Yeah, we'll probably do a live stream from there tomorrow and let you cool. guys see. Yeah, we're doing some fundraising to try and get the stage together and some better cameras. Cool. And, but uh, but I just wanted to kind of call everybody out there and say, hey, man, you know, how do they uh, find it? Well, right now, just go to the Mad Monk Entertainment portal. Yeah. Uh, and that? check it out on Facebook right now. That's yeah. the flag. Mad Monk, M-O-N-K. Like the Mad Monk of Motown. Like, you see me, you know we all going to get down. Uh-huh. Yeah, baby. Dude, when am I going to get to see you play some more music? Well, uh, live streams on the short. Uh, okay. We are doing some limited engagements uh, when we're able. Uh, you know, everybody's half and quarter capacity. So it gives the illusion of it being a little safer. However, yeah. may or still, may not be. Well, you know, you still have to be vigilant. You know, you don't want to be a plague rat. But at the same time, you don't want to live in this constant uh, fear. And uh, hell, at this point, you know, I mean, uh, 
it's day to day, man, day to day. But uh, we we have played a few shows at the pub, uh, very small engagements, really. But enough to give the uh, illusion, at least to us and our wallet, that some economic activity was happening. Yeah. Uh, but that's about where we're at, you know, just developing live stream stage space is going to really be what's going to sustain us. I'll help you any way I can. Well, you know, just hoard that shit. You see it, share it, man. Yeah. Do it. That's, yeah. that's what I do with everybody. Everybody, yeah. I don't know if you guys, you know, out there follow much of my stuff. If you do, if you don't. You know, you got something cool going on. I'm going to be like, come on, y'all. Everybody get some. If you hadn't seen uh, Cornbread Blues Band play, you hadn't lived. Well, it's getting weird. It's turning into a uh, psychedelic, improvisational, trance blues experience, you know. I'm ready. I know. All right. Dude. Brother. I love you. Thanks for doing it. Hey, you know, I think we probably got a three or a four in us, too. I think we do. We'll see if we get Seder. What you got the next holiday? Girls. I know, right? Yeah. Ooh, that'd be Easter, wouldn't it? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do a cornbread Easter. Yeah. You don't want me done on Valentine's. That would not be a good issue. I don't want to talk about uh, slave labor and how I've, my mama was a florist and I, I never, ever, Will ever. We please save your good stuff for Valentine's went Day. Went to school <laughs> on Valentine's Day ever. Like, you know, like I have a deformed cuticle on my thumb from dethorning roses. <laughs> Like for real, it's a scar. You know, I carry all, it. all about February fourteenth, huh? God, it's horrible, dude. Let's do it again. Hi, dude. Love so, you. Love you too. Woo. Well, how'd we do, guys? Thanks again for being here. And uh, if you're a chronic listener of uh, Southwest Scruffy Podcast, please support us by going to our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash Southwest Scruffy. You can choose a way to support us there. It really helps out a lot. And you guys who listen to the end, you are the ones that make all this happen. So thank you so much. Let's uh, will 2021 into being the best year ever. Let's do it. Love you guys. Take care. Matt Honkinen, play me out.